You're listening to the Auburn Express. Powered by the War Report. All aboard the AM departure from platform 334, the Auburn Express. We're running on time and expecting no hiccups. Doing the work, hard work, to bring you the best Auburn sports content you'll find anywhere. What's up, War Report family? We are back with another great edition of the Auburn Express, powered by the War Report podcast. I'm your boy, Mike G. I'm here with my girl, B-Mac, and that guy, Auburn Memes. Guys, it's portal season. The portal opened on the 15th. That was Saturday, April the 15th. The portal opened so guys can jump into the portal and try to find a new home post-spring. So this is going to be a lot of guys who probably didn't win their jobs where they were. Uh, not To me, not the sexy portal period. But Auburn had some portal news on the exit front. Jeffrey Emba decided he was getting in the portal, as did Desmond Tizzle and... The guy who had the biggest catch of A-Day, Tavares Dawson, is out of here. Let's start talking about what we think about Emba, the former number one overall Juco player, deciding he's going to hit the portal. Um, he was recruited by Harson. Yeah, this is a new regime. He wasn't thrilled when they announced Hugh Freeze. I think he just kind of put like a questioning emoji face on the Hugh Freeze hire. I don't know, Brandy, if you remember on Twitter. Yeah. You know, yeah. What, what do we think about Emba hitting the portal? Yeah, I I mean, I don't think it's a huge loss if I'm being honest. Um I I don't know. I think I think that's probably well said for everybody that's hit the portal so far. I think that um there's been a lack of high quality recruiting that's come into Auburn and so I think that it's natural for some guys when a new coach does come in and has higher expectations than the previous coach for them to kind of either get told you know hey it's time for you to move on or they can kind of realize I may not actually be starting on this team and I want to be on a team that I'm starting on so honestly wish him the best of luck but I really don't think losing out on him is a big deal yeah I mean I do you do we think that Auburn prior under Harson and extending back to Gus had an evaluation issue. I mean, this was supposed to be the number one overall Juco player in the cold country. And he's like, he didn't really do much. So I agree with you to some extent, like they're not really losing any team, anything in terms of production on the field. He never did anything here. Really? Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Imbo was that guy who he, he was, he was always, he came, came, came in super raw. You were going to see, really what you could get with his potential. I mean, that that's what it is and what it always was. And he's a guy that started playing football not long ago. I'll be honest, like, I believe the hype. I mean, the dude obviously was a physical specimen. He was big. He was strong. But there's more to football than just being big and strong, especially at this level. And he jumped really, really quick in from a guy who'd never played football to where he was in high school, then jumping Juco, then all of a sudden being at the SEC. I mean, that's a pretty big culture jump. I I still wish, I mean, if there were some guys that could leave, yeah, I, I still believed like, you know, nothing else, a great depth piece who hopefully as the season would go on, would start getting maybe a little bit more, a bigger and a bigger and a bigger role, and then eventually get into the point to where maybe for his, I guess, I believe it was he had one more year after this, it was senior year. And I don't know exactly if he qualified for COVID years or not. That would really be his time to shine. And 
Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Maybe it would have never happened. Maybe it would happen somewhere else. Obviously, wishing the best of luck. Hate that we didn't even get a chance to see that. But kind of as Brandy said, if the guys weren't hitting it on the field, they weren't hitting it on practice, or maybe there were some just issues off the field of guys maybe not fitting in with the team, getting along with coaches, just not liking the system, whatever it may have been. It could be, you know, it could be a good move for him and it could be a good move for Auburn. So, yeah, it's just well, what it is. Well, I'll tell you, Tavares Dawson, it was the next name on the list that hit the portal. Now, obviously, he caught a big pass from Robbie Ashford at 8 uh up the seam. It was a beautiful pass. Great catch. Um, but this is a room. This is a position group uh, that was much maligned last year. And people are questioning whether Auburn has the receivers uh, to hang in the SEC now, passing has waned at Auburn, guys. It's been tough. It's been tough pushing the ball down the field through the air. Dawson moves on. It's kind of giving me Kobe Hudson vibes a little bit. Maybe. But he accomplished even less at Auburn than Kobe Hudson did. Should should fans be worried about this exit? I don't think so. But, you know, <clears throat> it is what it is. I actually think the wide receiver room was one of the rooms that were kind of better off from a talent standpoint. This past year and going into kind of this spring, um, not that that's saying a lot, but compared to some other rooms, but, you know, I think he, to, if you compare like losing Jeffrey Emba to losing Dawson, I think honestly losing Dawson is um, less of a hit than losing Emba. Yeah, I agree with that. that. I agree with that. If I could pick, if I could pick it. Because, I mean, I think at this point, like, Emba hadn't had a chance to really show what his ceiling is. Dawson's been on his team for a minute. And he was a guy, I think, I want to say they went to the last season. He was supposed to be, like, a starter. And you're hearing all these things about him and just quickly got processed out of the the lineup and the rotation. And you didn't really hear anything from him after that. I don't believe he was having any injury issues either. I know, obviously, Malcolm Johnson Jr. was dealing with some um, foot-ankle things. I remember he had that, uh, that foot brace on for a while. And then same kind of deal this spring. So Dawson out of the team. I I don't think, as kind of Mike said, that's going to be a too big of a loss for Auburn. I think those reps are, as Brandy was saying, can go to some other people in a pretty crowded wide receiver room, help kind of thin the herd and let other folks maybe get to shine and kind of showcase it because he didn't get to do it last year. And let's be real, if there was a chance to do it, last year was it. And I think that kind of speaks volumes right there. And then, of course, as the most recently, you had a Tisdale just hit the yeah. portal as well. And yeah, the linebacker room was very unheralded. Let's be honest, right? Like, yeah. Pap was in there. You know, he ran a crazy forty time at the combine, but for some reason, was very underproductive here at Auburn. So, a lot of us are hoping under this new regime that Auburn will pick it up in terms of developing talent. But speaking of developing talent. Today, we're going to jump in the way back time machine and talk about some of these recruiting classes. Whenever you have high profile guys decide they're going to hit the portal, it it makes you question, right? What happened? Especially when there are guys that you expect, like you said, I was buying the hype two memes on Nimba, and it just never happened. I, I assume they brought him in for a reason. Did they miss or did the kid just not? live up to his potential. Now, Memes, you wanted to go back. Where we start, Memes? We start 2019 or 2020? Where do you want to start this conversation? I think you got to at least skim 2019 for some relevancy. Right. Fair enough. Because 
2019, you still got some guys on this team that are here, but and you have some issues in 2019, but you still got some players on this team. You got guys that didn't make it. But my goodness, 2020, COVID was not the only thing that came through and messed this football program up. Just going to say that. Yeah, Stay for sure. tuned for more. So the 2019 class, this was Gus's class. This was the class that was supposed to save Auburn footballs. Uh, Composite rank number 11. 11. Nationally. Right. Just For worth sure. noting, yeah. 21, um, 21 enrollees. Mm, but there were two very high-profile recruits in this class. Uh, Owen Papo and Bo Nix were the highest-rated recruits in this class. So, I'm going to let you go down the list here. You know, what was the retention like on this class versus, you know, the, uh, the attrition? Well, yeah, this is where you really, this is where you start to see it. And you, I guess you could make an argument you saw a little bit in 20, in 2018. But overall, you got, you look at 2018 compared to 19 and 20, you're starting to see this major downhill track, which is one of the many things, but this is probably the highest and biggest red flag way for Gus. And for those out there listening, why are we talking about Gus? Because this is a relative important because this is a class 19 to 20 specifically, these are the guys that should be upperclassmen right now. Mm-hmm. So these classes, these classes tell a story of why your team is where it is. And we'll look back and do a retrospect in two or three years of this past class that just signed for 23 and be talking about it in the same way because it, it really it tells an interesting story because each one of these moves has a little domino effect. And it's very, very interesting to look back retrospectively and say, oh, wow. Or, oh, my gosh, that was a name. I remember everybody talking about that dude, and I totally lost my memory. And woof. Anyway, but yeah, your top two guys are Bo Nix and Papo. Papo was a good player, did not live up to that five-star hype. Bo Nix did not live up to the five-star hype, at least while he was at Auburn. Time may be telling how that'll look for Oregon. But granted, I wish I was playing Pac-12 defenses as well. Mm -hmm. Your mm-hmm. next highest ranked guy, and I'm bouncing back and forth between 24 seven and uh, on three recruiting just to cite the sources on this. Was Charles Moore? I who who's that? You, no one remembers the name Charles Moore. He did not. I want to say he uh, he didn't even make it to fall when he got when he came to Auburn. And then uh, Mark Anthony Richards ends up transferring. Uh, you had Handy. He didn't make it. Yep, Puckett. Okay, there we go. Keandre Jones. Derek Hall. Yes, good. Yep. Cam Kelly. Nothing. Sheffield. Mm-mm. Jalen Simpson. Good Good on. Good there. Colby Wooden. Good. Here's a name everybody's going to remember here. DJ Williams, the 2019 LSU <laughs> game. Uh, right. Uh, Payne there, guy who you won a big recruiting battle for, who was really going to be your future. Your running back room that year was Booby Whitlow. DJ Williams and Sean Shivers. So you felt good that DJ was going to be a future guy. You're kind of looking at next year. Like, all right, we're going to have tank and DJ. Obviously DJ did not make it. Javar Johnson, of course, that's a, that was a good pull. We're seeing a lot from him. Tyler Fromm, guy still on the team, but let's be real. Tyler Fromm has not really done a whole lot from a production standpoint at tight end. We'll see. It's a very crowded room. What that'll, t- what they'll tell you, Justin Osborne, Nehemiah Pritchett. Yes. Uh, Marbell. Didn't make it. Luke Deal. Obviously, Luke's still on the team. 
uh, leadership guys. Gonna we'll we'll see what his role will look like this new year and the new offense. But let's also remember here, Luke Deal was like a three star. So I mean, that's not a guy you're really looking and saying, "Hey, we're building a team around." It was a guy yeah. to fill a roster. So yeah, he's looking a, like a leader right now, though. So yeah, yeah. Brothers, and then Cam Brown, Derek Brown's little brother, who just also entered the portal as well. And then you had some, um, you had some transfers in there. I guess JJ Wilson there for a year, and the other guys just walk on depth fillers. So that's your 19 class. So there's a lot of names that folks who are listening are like, I don't know who we're talking about. And the reason why is these guys did not make it to do anything at Auburn. They didn't make it through summer, spring, or they transferred quickly or just got kicked off the team or whatever ended up happening. Well, let me go to Brandy here for a second. Brandy, um, the highlights of this class were clearly Owen Papo, Bo Nix, Javaris Johnson is still on this squad, so I'm counting him as kind of a highlight. Um, and uh, Luke D. Derek Brown. Derek Brown. Not Derek Brown, sorry, Derek Hall. Derek Hall. Derek Hall, right, and Derek Hall. Right? Yeah, how do we feel... If you, how are we feeling after a class like this? Because this was a 13th overall composite ranking class, and you know some of those guys did contribute, but 11th it, composite ranking, 11th. I'm sorry, and but a lot of them were just gone, and so the, I mean the class was, it, as Memes mentioned, this was kind of like the decline, right? Uh, because you have here's my feeling, even though Papo and Bo technically finished their well, Bo didn't finish. Bo's still playing football. Feels like he's been in college for eight years. Um, and Papo, so COVID, it yeah. just made everything longer. Yeah, for sure. And then Papo uh, has gone on to the to the next level. Doesn't it feel kind of like a failure when you have five star guys who don't produce at a five star level? Auburn doesn't really get a ton of them. Yeah, I mean, on the Owen standpoint, like. I think that had more to do with who was coaching him throughout his time at Auburn than anything else because he was very good in high school and just now obviously like he just he just just wasn't a contributor when he was at Auburn which is sad because there are really high expectations for him. I think that had to do more with who his coach was though not necessarily his talent evaluation. Um, Some of the other guys that you mentioned like Derek Hall obviously was a contributor. Um, He was a star here. Yeah, who are some some of the other who are some of the other guys that you had well? Seen? Well, obviously Bo, right? Bo was a part of that class um, because Gus had sold us sold us sold us. He's going to win championships before he leaves here. Uh, a so guy who a, a guy who played that sh- could have would have lived up to the potential that people probably had the most like on the field hype for immediately. Hmm. Aside from like Bo, obviously, and, and Papo would have been um, DJ Williams, right? Javaris Johnson was in this class, Brandy. Um, you know, and obviously he's still here. I mean, he was our leading receiver last year. Mm-hmm. Varus was. So, uh, you know, again, Tyler Fromm is still on this team at tight end right now. I think that he might actually transfer out, though. He's, I've got him pegged for a post-spring portal exit. Um, yeah, I have, it, I have it pulled up now. I mean, out of these guys, like, I feel like the guys who really people had high expectations were, were obviously the two five-stars, Owen and Bo. Mm-hmm. And then... I would say, like, out of those, like, Charles Moore is the is the one that you're just like, who even is that? Right. Yeah, that was your that was your third that was your highest ranked four star player. 
And he, I don't even think he made it to fall camp like that. Yeah. Right. And that's the, and then you had Mark Andy and Richard, same kind of deal with him. And then handy. So out of that, you're after Bo and Owen, you're like next three guys who are your next three highest ranked players. Nada. Nada, <laughs> like, nada man. Right. That's the, that, that you see, and that got to be the problem with Gus and, and this, what we're I saying is about to get like, exacerbated so when it gets to we're just talking about like the t- you guys who had the most hype around them with them being Bo and Owen, like Owen was a disappointment, but I'm, I don't think it's hard to tell. Like, was that who he was coached by during his time at Auburn or was that because he's just not five-star caliber, you know? And then yeah. on both He ran sides, a four, three, the old linebacker ran a four, three at the combine. No, he had five-star athleticism. Correct. He was probably more like a low four-star player. Mm. It's like he, to me, Honestly, maybe but he also had injuries bit. and other things, but well, I was just about to compare him. He to me is like the football version of what Flanagan has been for the basketball team. <laughs> oh, injuries, ooh, kind ooh. of had high expectations, and then didn't Athletic freak, necessarily though. how we thought, but is an insane athlete and has a lot of just natural talent level to him. So yeah, that's, I like that comparison. Yeah, I think it's kind of fair. Um, but so if you look at just those two guys with Owen, like you almost have to wonder, like, let's maybe reevaluate that in a couple of years and see how he does in the NFL and see like that kind of can be like a true teller of like, okay, now, maybe, maybe you're, you're right. Because let me tell you something. Uh, first of all, uh, I like Christian Robinson, the person, but obviously that his position group was lacking. Um, there was absolutely zero chance that Hugh Freeze was going to retain him. Uh, they needed to go a different direction there. But um, he sucked up Florida too. So, yeah, right. I mean, but to your point about seeing how he does at the NFL level, when these guys can focus on football 100%, right? And, you know, in a professional environment, work on their craft, sometimes we see them reach more of their potential than they do in college. So, you know, I mean, I didn't I thought Owen, honestly, Brandy, like I thought there was a chance Owen might go undrafted. Now, that I was there still is, isn't there? Well, I, I mean, that. after the four three at the combine, I, I don't I was think gonna so. say the combine might have like really helped he, him out significantly. But yeah. before the combine, I think it was like very much doubted whether he was actually going to get drafted or he was just going to get signed. Uh, you know what? Day. That's the nicest thing that you've said to me in about a month. Right, I, I was feeling pretty crappy about that take after. I was like, "Ooh, man, I really doubted Owen like that." But I was with you. I was thinking he might not even get drafted. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I a lot of people thought that. Yeah, all right. And yeah. I, I told me it was a crazy take. I told me it was a crazy take. And then, you, but he did call it. He said, "Oh, watch, Owen's going to go to the the combine and he's going to run some crazy forty time and do something crazy athletic, and he's going to jump up on everybody's draft board." So it looks like. That's the, going to be the prevailing narrative here. We'll see how the NFL loves speed, right? Because speed is hard to teach. So if you have it, right, like the NFL loves speed. Uh, but me jump in here, man. Like the 2019, to round out the discussion, you know, Owen uh, may end up being one of the better Auburn alumni at the next level here in the next few years. But this class, you know, success or failure? Uh, well, I think what we're gonna we'll have to we'll have to kind of put the to be determined tag on that because there's still a few guys in this class that have a chance to contribute this season. Mm-hmm. Pritchett, deal. Yeah, I Johnson. mean, you got 
yeah, you got it. You got a few guys on this team that maybe just maybe might do something on the field. You still got Jalen Simpson in there. Uh, you got uh, who, who'd you just say? Me and my um, Yeah, now, these, these are these are guys who are going to play got, that we're talking you got about. Zion, you got Zion Puckett on that team. So we'll see what these guys end up doing this year. I mean, you had Derek Hall. Um, I mean, you had Keandre Jones who transferred and transferred. Yeah, but uh, but I think he's going to do well where he transferred. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, that, that's, the, that's the thing. Does that count? Like, obviously for Auburn, no, 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 but, no it doesn't. <laughs> if he transfers, yeah, so like if you didn't paying, develop, <laughs> he's well, going to Florida State. But yeah, I mean, if you transfer out, it's a waste I mean, of recruit. Some of these guys went through two coaching changes, also. So. Yeah, I mean that's 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 I mean that's a fair point. I mean it's definitely a tough it's a definitely tough situation with what happened with Gus. It would happen with COVID. I mean it's not. I mean that's probably 2019 and 2020 probably some of the worst classes to come to Auburn just because oh, you man. got you got the full coach sampler when you got there. But yeah, oh, okay. So we're, I, think, I think it's like interesting if you look at the defense versus the offense because if you think about the staff that was under Gus whenever he was here before he was fired, I actually think he had a really great defensive staff and a kind of weaker offensive staff. So when you look at the defensive players on this board, kind of more compared to the offensive players, um, I honestly think that the defensive players have panned out better than the offensive players. um, To an extent. So, and I think that's, I think that speaks to the staff that recruited them and evaluated them. Mm. What you lost on this class, though, is you lost you lost uh, Handy and Moore, who were supposed to be that defensive end edge rushing position. You now you did get that out of Hall, so that was awesome, thankfully. But that's why there's this massive gap at edge rusher right now because you had it. You would hope both, but at least one of those guys. You got if you got Derek Hall, Moore, and Handy, you would hope that two of the three would stick, and you got one of the three. Mm. And obviously the one you got was very good. And then I guess you got Colby Wooden in there too. So, I mean, you got, you got, you know, you got uh, that, that was definitely a, a good recruitment there. Did but, any of those three transfers even play a down <laughs> that came wait, in? Wait, which ones? Any of the three transfers in that class that JJ came in? Wilson? Yeah, I don't think so. I think JJ, uh, JJ you Wilson, got J- Zach Farrar, and Michael Cohn. I don't JJ, JJ Wilson, uh, I think he was there for like a year and he did, you know, he he did, he played some. Mm. But I, I mean, I don't think it was like a, you know, it wasn't a, I don't think it was like a, a, a uh, life changing, he wasn't getting game winning plays but yeah i think we're tbd on this class right so but i want to jump i don't want to jump forward to 2020 because this is uh, where it's bad yeah we got <laughs> oh yeah we got a we got a really good recruit here um at the top of this class was tank bixby mm-hmm. uh after that the exits oh get gosh. rough <laughs> so means, i'm gonna <laughs> turn it over to you give us the rundown on on retention versus attrition for the okay. 2020 class I can't wait. And just for everybody out there listening, the the content for this episode was like an accident. Mike and I were talking, and somehow I was looking up something in a class, and I started scrolling and just did this the meme or the guys you know pulling his or the gif. And he's like, "Mother of God!" And um, that's that's kind of where I was at. Now, I don't want to say it was this class when I was looking at it, and I just my jaw dropped, and I just totally had forgotten where it was. And seeing that even the few guys that are left on this team are potentially 
next to go. So yes, as Mike mentioned, you start strong with this class. Mm. You got Tank. Now Tank went to the league early, so that is not something that we hold against this class. If you're sending guys to the league early, that means they were dominating for your program. Safe to say Tank did very well. Had he maybe had better pieces around his team, you look at Tank as potentially an all-time great running back at Auburn. COVID stinks, bad O-line stinks, and certain coaching staffs stink. We go back down to Zakibis Walker, and as we remember, this is about the Rewind episode, he was a guy that jumped in the portal not too long after Freeze came on board. Also, that staff talked him out of the portal. So that's a pretty big win for a guy who was your second highest rated guy who's got a lot of potential, and had he stayed in that portal, would have gotten a lot of heat. Still a raw dude. I think it's gonna, we're really going to see how this season looks to see how much of him that we see. Your next guy is going to be Steiner. Seems to be that that one has not panned out great, especially the linebacker room that needs some love pretty bad. Jay Hardy is your next Gone. guy. I think we all go what? Gone. <laughs> bye bye, Jay. I think he went to Florida. Did he not? Hardy went to Florida. Um, I think you're right. Yeah, I think Hardy landed up in Florida. Uh, I've got him right now with Liberty. Says he's at Liberty. Oh, good for him. <laughs> is that? Is that? Yes. Yeah. I'm just. Yeah. We pulling I mean, the same. We pulling the same Jay Hardy here. Yeah, he. I mean, either way, man, Hardy was out. He was another guy who they, they had. He had. He was one of those spring guys that they thought maybe would have a big season and then ended up not doing anything yeah. at all. Right? Says like, he's at. Says he's at Liberty. Um, you're. Th- I'll, I forget who you're thinking of. But I'll tell you who. I know who you're talking about. Who went there? We'll get there uh, in a second. Of course, you have Kobe Hudson. Uh, we know that mm-hmm. we have talked about that saga at nauseum. We know how that went. Now, from a production standpoint, of course, you got a lot out of Kobe Hudson. A lot when the little was able to be <laughs> got. A lot? <laughs> really? Uh, I don't know. A lot. You got a lot of a little out of him. Okay. But there might have been some other issues with Kobe that maybe it was best for him to move on from Auburn. And then uh, you got Caper, same kind of deal with him. A guy who you thought you, you felt could have good. You had three receivers here. Cutson. Cutson. Z- Kobe Hudson, Xavion Capers, and then J.J. Evans, and you're looking at all these guys, and you're like, all right, you know, we, we might have something here. Well, we know that Capers went to Western Kentucky. We're starting – you're about to see a real big trend here. J.J. Evans went to North Alabama. And you have Ladarius Tennyson, which is an interesting one and a painful one because he actually was doing well when he did play at Auburn, and he goes to Ole Miss and has been doing well at Ole Miss. And that that's a guy – that's the one transfer that I think a lot of us scratched our head over because it was like Tennyson, like not only was he playing at Auburn, like the road for him to play the following season was like definitely there. Like there was there were minutes to be had. So who knows what all went down with that? But um, he was one that was gone, and uh, that that's probably more of like a pain point one because the other guys, the common trend was either they had issues out of them or they just couldn't ever make the field. Eric Reed, safety dude, ends up going to Georgia Tech. And uh, Chris Thompson Jr., I don't even know. Uh, da, 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 let's see, Chris Thompson. He's at USC right now. It'll be interesting to see what he ends up doing. He was a linebacker. Um, I don't think he got to play much, but t- USC's also got a ton of talent. Uh, we'll see. Of course, our other junior, Malcolm Johnson Jr., still on the team. As of now, he's still, ba- you know, last season he was battling some injuries and stuff like that. J.J. Pegues, of course. 
Oxford. We remember him running the big man tight end wildcat offense. There's a part that misses that moved to D line, went to Ole Miss to play tight end to play D line again. Uh, JJ Pegues, he's from Oxford. He was going back home. Stinks to lose him. Desmond Tisdale, as we mentioned earlier, just entered the transfer portal. Now, Dre Butler, that was another guy. Didn't get a whole lot out of him at Auburn. Moved up to Michigan State as a four-star defensive end. Cam Riley seems to be doing pretty well from uh, all reports. You got Brandon Frazier, uh, kind of forgotten about tight end. You don't really you hear his name, but you don't really hear what he's doing. Still on the team as of right now. I'm just double-checking that. Frazier, we didn't lose Frazier, did he? Nope, he's still cooking. But a very, very crowded tight end room, so I'm kind of wondering if that's where we're going to see. Surely we're going to start seeing some um, attrition out of that room. Marco Domio, a guy that a lot of people had talked about when he first came, went to rejoin Gus at UCF. Romello Height, another guy who some people kind of got excited about, also went to USC as well. Killian Zaire, junior college, uh, would say Killian was a decent success for where he was ranked as a three-star uh, for a bad offensive line. He definitely would have some highlights and moments. Avery Jernigan recently just took a coaching job. Don't think he ever actually got any meaningful minutes at Auburn and wish him nothing but the best. Uh, Brendan Coffey still chilling on the team. Tate Johnson, we know about Tate battling that injury and the injuries last season, so got to get him healthy. Hugh Freeze, Hugh Freeze likes him, though. He loves Tate. Yeah, he singles he him out. Low, Tate was a three-star, seems to be kind of playing above that. You've got a guy, uh, Daniel Foster Allen, another d- uh, DN position. If we're noticing a trend here, we're missing these edge rushers. He ended up going to South Alabama. Canyon, we know the whole deal with Canyon. A lot of people thought, you know, maybe – what, why is he not seeing the field? Seemed like he'd show flashes at Purdue. Marquise Burks, junior college, love him. Predict these nuts. Um, <laughs> he did, you did get some good um, rotational minutes out of Burks. And if, if he had never touched the field, his recruitment was worth it solely for that Instagram comment. Mm. But uh, you did, you did. He's obviously no longer with the team just due to aging out. Uh, but Burks, you did get, um, you know, like I said, you got good rotation with him. Jeremiah Wright, obviously, we know he's doing really well with the line, it seems like. So, and this is a lower three-star guy, second lowest to rank guy in the class. You're getting good minutes out of him. And then um, Garnett, who was a quarterback from Florida who just never did anything. And then you got your uh, Nick Curtis. No, Grant Lloyd just basically mm. got to help you run your practice. Kayla Newton here for his brother didn't really get it. And, of course, Brandon Council, you got good minutes out of council to wrap up your transfer. So you're noticing here, this class is a lot of key positions and a lot of key guys, especially guys that were kind of hyped who did not make it on the team. So we're seeing a real bad trend here. Yeah. Brandy jump in here. So again, just kind of want to highlight tank Bigsby was the headliner of this class. And, you know, Tank is moving on to the NFL this year. Uh, You know, guys like Wesley Steiner, who are still on the team, great. Um, Wide receiver kind of got decimated, right? They recruited like six receivers. I think like four of them bounced. Uh, You know, Auburn has been struggling there. This was the COVID year, correct? This was the shortened season. This was a short season, right? So, yeah, yeah, this class would have been committed 
Like they're signing all their papers like right before lockdown starts. Okay, right. So this is the COVID year. This is the year that Gus gets the left foot of fellowship from Auburn. Leadership. This is the seventh ranked composite class. So you know Auburn been struggling a few years before. I want to say 2017 was like that was a solid class, mm-hmm. and then you kind of had some eh, moments. You had some, and then it was like, oh baby, this is we're 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 losing our kind of top ten footing. We're back to composite seven. You got 27 enrollees in this. So you had a meaty class. It looked like it had a lot of guys. But what is the problem? Well, so Auburn fired. I, I want to talk about what the problem is in this because this is, I think, is a class that kind of led to us as a eventual ultimate downfall. Right. Um, it had already been coming. But, yes, it was actually a decently good ranked class. You're – Biggest need that we had, though, going into the season, and we had had for a couple of years under Gus, was offensive line. And you go and you look at the quality offensive line at the top, and I keep scrolling, and I keep scrolling, and I keep scrolling, and you don't get it there until you get to the bottom. And right. that's when you see that's when you see three star offensive tackle, three star offensive guard, three star offensive tackle, three star offensive guard, and then d- down again at the bottom, another three star offensive guard. So this actually at the top was a very quality class. But the guys who were qualities, uh, we did like need them, but they weren't necessarily our biggest positions of need at the time. And instead, those guys who were the biggest positions of need at the time were filled by guys that were ranked a lot less than the top of us where this class was ranked. Mm. Obviously, every position matters, but we weren't getting quality recruits at the position that we needed. And I think that's why... I think that's this class is not reflective of like what actually happened on the field because of where our biggest need was at the time. Yeah, right. So again, you're recruiting, right? You're bringing in guys, but um, not the guys you need necessarily. And it really it did hurt. This was his undoing. Now I yeah, still think like it just speaks to the lack of roster construction that Gus kind of had throughout his tenure at Auburn and it just so happened to kind of catch up to him eventually in this class. And it did so in a very big way. Yeah. I I just think if you combine that with, with Brandy, the, you know, it's a quarterback driven league in the sec. And you combine that with what I will call what seems like the regression of Bo Nixon this year. Right. Um, it's rough. It's hard to take. Now I can't, I don't remember this, this schedule was a forgettable one. Um, but was this, the? this was the year we lost to South Carolina. Was it not? They lost to South Carolina. Yeah. There was two straight years of losing to South Carolina. And the South Carolina game is what did, cause you had that Kentucky game and a decent Kentucky team. You open the season and that's where, uh, Seth Williams mossed that guy. Mm -hmm. Like, but it was kind of like a, like the second half, like the first half, they just did nothing. And then Auburn kind of came back and it was probably a little bit of a closer game. And everybody kind of scratching their head. And they're, I mean, it's a decent Kentucky team. But the only game that you really had that was good that year, obviously you beat the crap out of a bad LSU team with TJ Finley at quarterback. And then uh, you you had a solid win over Tennessee. Everything else was, that was pretty 20, ugly. That was 2021, wasn't it? No, oh, it no, 20, no, you're, no you're, you're right. You're right. They did beat them because it was at home. But uh, this was this was the undoing. This was the let's pay the buyout and move on after this. So you bring in a seventh rank class and then you get fired, right? 
So obviously people had seen enough of a trend in, yeah, these classes are highly ranked, but what you're getting out of them is not what everybody else is getting out of them. They are bringing in top 10 classes. I think that I saw a stat where they said Auburn through 2019 or 2020 was the only school that had averaged a composite top 10 class in the playoff era and had not made the playoff. Everybody else who did that made the playoff, guys, <laughs> except for Auburn. They came close in 2017, but they got they got spanked by Georgia in the rematch in the SEC championship game, and that ended that. Um, I still would I said this single-handedly responsible for handing Bama a championship in a year where they did not win the SEC West or the like or the SEC. I mean, it was it was it sucked. So um this class, I'm, I rate this class. I rate this class a failure. hundred percent. Yeah, you can you could pretty much safely say with how large this class was and not addressing the positions of need, as mm-hmm. Brandy said, because you weren't getting linemen, and then the edge rushers you were getting were just always they weren't they weren't seeing the field. So really, inevitably, what it got down to is the the evaluations were just were just yeah, bad. Horrible. I mean, they were, they were just you're getting to you're seeing a trend of just really bad evaluation, and you're getting stars. But the problem and why the can got kicked so far is that you don't really know how a class is going to pan out for really the better part of three years. I mean, that's that's where you can really kind of get a gauge of what a class is going to look like. Or right there, and as we can see, yeah, we're and that's and that's why we can really look back at this class in retrospect because a lot of these guys are not on the team anymore. And the few that are on the team are transferring out. And ironically, some of the best people from this class were some of the guys that were ranked the lowest that yeah. are still here. I mean, you look at the top of it. I mean, you got to hope. I mean, Zakevius Walker's is still kind of to be determined optimistically. Mm. But I mean, it was Steiner, it's been a little iffy. And, you know, hopefully we're going to see it with Cam Riley and uh, the receivers. I mean, Canyon. the only. Re- Canyon, again, was one of those kids who was super talented, but for whatever reason, they just couldn't get him. He couldn't get with the program. They couldn't get him with the program, mm-hmm. right? And when Harson came in, I was like, I kept asking the question every press conference, where is Elijah Canyon? He is yep. clearly the best receiver you have, but they couldn't get him on the field because of off-the-field things. And, and you know, the reason that I rate this class a failure is relative to the ranking. The amount of contributors is very, very low. Yep. Right. I mean, and I think that's what Brandy is, is kind of saying. Like you, 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 the contributors are low, but you also didn't address needs at all. So how you got a seventh ranked class filling your roster up with guys you don't need, and then those guys didn't even stay and contribute. This was awful. I think the retention rate on this class was 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 under 39%. 62% yeah, they, of these kids were gone are gone. Yeah, and then out of the guys that stayed, like what really were you getting out of them? I mean, outside yeah. of I mean, outside tank. of tank. And there's a few guys, like I said, that are kind of to be determined and offensive linemen. You know, maybe some of these guys like Coffee may the light will come on for them. But who knows? Some of these guys are still on the team now, could end up transferring. Mm. But you know, the good news is here, and I think what really was getting to be the the nail in the coffin for Gus is people were kind of starting to see these patterns. But 2020, 
I mean, let's be real. Your classes are built for two or three years. So as you're going that 2020 season and you're kind of like, eh, what's going on? We're not addressing the guys you got. You feel good about it. But the, as Brandy was mentioned, the positions in need you aren't getting, those are obvious. Like, you know that, hey, there are positions in need. Like, we're not getting them. So, of course, you know, the ding, 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 ding with the lineman thing. But where you really get to it is the 21 class that throughout 20 you've got there, spring, summer, fall. And the 2021 class is just looking absolutely abysmal from not only a player personnel standpoint, but a just the number of guys in there. And you're starting at this point, see Auburn strike out a more. You're losing. It's like you're, you're not even competing with Georgia and Bama anymore. You're over here like losing guys to Georgia Tech. <laughs> well, it's, let's it's talk like about that's where we're starting to get to. Let's talk about 2021 because this was the year of Harson, right? This was Harson's first year. He got a gift in Dylan Brooks in, in, in the Tennessee kind of sweepstakes when uh, they got busted doing what they were doing up there at Tennessee, right? Handing out McDonald's bags with money. You had a guy like, like Lee Hunter, who was a high four-star. Uh, again, he was one of those guys that physically, you know, he had the size and we thought maybe he might contribute early. Amari uh, Harvey... Uh, gone, Demetrius Davis gone, Tavares Dawson, we know now, gone, Marquise Robinson, Hal Presley, Ocolio, gone, Landon King still here, you know, Kobe Smith, Garner Langlo, Ian Matthews, guys, not a ton of contributors here. Jarquez Hunter, now, I'm going to take a victory lap on Jarquez Hunter. <laughs> I told people he was going to be that guy. I said he was him. He appears to be him. So this was a highlight. This was clearly the highlight of this class. Dark Horse is a three-star too. So let's That's right. So the the best player that has panned out in this entire class is a three-star that came to Auburn to play for Cadillac Williams, not Brian Harson. That's right. Joko like a, like I mean, talking like got him at the buzzer. I mean, this is a, I want to say that might have been almost one of the last guys they added to this class. Yeah, out of Mississippi. Under- under-recruited dude. A lot of guy, a lot of schools wanted him to play linebacker. He said, I want to play running back. And I think that the running back's going to work out pretty well for yeah, him. Yeah, he's, he's, he's doing pretty good. Yeah, Joko Willis gone. Haddon, Roe Torrance, Diamond uh, gone. Caden Bridges, I think, is still here, right, Memes? Um, yeah. And then you look at, okay, so this is the beginning of the portal era. Right? So this wasn't a great class on paper. They came in with a 20... A composite 19, but this this class was ranked, I think, like 21st or something like that. It, it was not a high ranking. A lot of people were just like, ah, oh, recruiting. But they brought in Demetrius Robertson, for, former five-star from, from Georgia. Now, he caught some passes here at Auburn. Again, the passing game was highly dysfunctional, so I know nobody really thrived at receiver in this offense. Jordan Ingram, uh, we know, didn't last year. TJ Finley. TV, TVD, I'm going to count him in the attrition category, guys, because uh, I think he's out of here. Marcus Harris, Donovan Kaufman, uh, by Darius Knighton. Big Tony Fair came in from UAB. Uh, you know, he he got some time in here. Dreshawn Miller was a questionable one. This is a number <laughs> one DB, uh, uh, you know, in his conference at West Virginia. Yeah. And... It's like an all-conference player, and I, I don't know if he's real. I think he's, I think he catfished Auburn, yeah, right? And they just came in and did nothing, right? I think and he got some NIL money, and like this might have been a this might have been like an email scam. They just don't want to let anybody know because <laughs> like, like no one, I don't think anybody ever saw him. Yeah, he might have his autograph. Like 
This dude, it's like he, he didn't even sniff the field. Like, yeah, he didn't I interview so anybody. So questionable. Um, and then you rounded out with Ekuliota, who, if he had not gotten hurt, I think he would have had such an epic year here at Auburn. Um, so again, this was Harson's first class, uh, and just the highlight of this class was clearly Jarquez Hunter. Outside but, of that. You know, you did have Tony Fair and Demetrius Robertson who were, and Echo Leota who were uh, major contributors. TJ Finley came in. Uh, we, you know, I thought he might compete with Bo. It ended up not being a thing that year. And then after Bo got hurt, it got even worse because then TJ got hurt. But, you know, how do we rate this class? How do we rate Harson's first class? I, I want probably Brandy first on this one because she is Brian Harson's biggest fan, guys. Like, I'm so <laughs> Brandy has a Harson poster Brandy, on the wall. Brandy, no, Brandy's got big hopes for this class. No. <laughs> I mean, this is like a D, I think. Oh, D? Oh, man. I, think, I mean, I think so. Maybe a C minus with Jarquez nah, and IQ. Like, D minus. I thought, like, I'm, this is a D. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, okay. I, I, I'll give you a D. This is not good when the highlight of it is a three star that, which, you know, stars don't always, like, stars don't really matter after high That's school, right. but when you, <laughs> just the quality of guy, like, there is very few quality guys, even if you looked at them pre and you kind of could have noticed this, and I think many fans did, which is what preempted the very quick departure of Harson from Auburn, but... Mm. I mean, there's just not very many quality guys in this class at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, again, you struck gold in Jarquez Hunter, but he was the num- nationally the 706th player. So you weren't exactly fighting the top programs for that player. And, you know, maybe they got even a little bit lucky, but they went to the portal, guys, and they went in and got Demetrius Robertson, TJ Finley, uh, Donovan Kaufman, you know, place of time at Uliota. You know, what do we think about the transfer class that he brought in, though? It's worth noting that the high sc- most of the high school guys were Gus's guys. You know, like, okay. And then, obviously, Harson topped off a few for the yeah, six weeks he had to recruit before signing day, if that. I guess it's Christmas, New Year, so really he had probably four to five as he's still getting directions around the building and talking to guys over Zoom and wearing a mask everywhere. Uh, so it's kind of a, you got to give Harson a little bit of a pass. Cause I mean, it was more so of Gus's. I mean, he did it what he had. I mean, it's tough to kind of clean up all things considered. Cause once again, middle of COVID peak pre vaccine, you can't take tours tough deal. And I'd say, I mean, he did what I did fine with what he had for the transfer. I mean, you mm. brought in guys. I mean, Eku was a good grab. I mean, on, on paper, Drayshon Miller seemed like he should have been a good grab. You know, he got, Minutes out of Tony Fair, uh, Don. I think Don McAuliffe. I mean, was still on the team, so he's rocking it. And TJ Finley. TJ Finley was coming as a backup. If you don't get TJ Finley, it's it's Grant Loy. So I know there's a lot. Yeah, Post I know there's a lot of people who were like, TJ Finley will forever be is a very controversial mm-hmm. figure in Auburn history, okay. and just you know a lot of a lot of opinions flying around him. And some of that, I think, is a little bit of kind of an unfair bag because, like, TJ Finley was not brought in to be a starter. It was a guy that was brought in to be a depth piece, maybe give Bo a little bit of, little bit of push in practice. But, like, it was not a, hey, you're going to come in here and start. I mean, even his dad said it on the infamous Locked on Auburn podcast. We thought Bo was going to have a good year and go to the league. TJ was going to sit behind him for that year, learn everything, and the next year would be TJ's year. 
And then Bo gets hurt. TJ gets kind of thrown in there. You can tell he was not mentally ready nor prepared. Like he, he did not be expecting, hey, this is what I'm going to be doing. And of course, he gets hurt. So then that just kind of put a bad taste in people's mouth. I'm not going to necessarily blame that all on TJ, but he, he kind of got thrown into a bad fire. Kind of the same deal happened to him at LSU. And then, you know, that, that was just for that season. But Okay, guys, so, you know, <laughs> rate, rate this class. Hot or not, Brandy? <laughs> this is hot or not? <laughs> you no. hot or not? <laughs> not out. Not even close. <laughs> Brandy not even close. is swiping left. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do? You swiping left or right on this class? Yeah, I mean, I think history is going to tell us that this, all things considered, I mean, you might have a few little nuggets with uh, depending on how some of these guys outside of Jarquez Hunter, who are still on the team, do uh, this could potentially go down as. And I'm not really necessarily looking at the transfers because that's kind of a different deal. But the high school for sure this this could very likely go down as the worst. Oh god, class in Auburn history as far as <laughs> what ended up happening. Like not not t- talking the raw numbers, but like if you just look at the guys that just did not make it to the team. I mean, and, and even the guys that's still on the team. There's a handful of them on here who may not be here in the fall and definitely may not be here next year. So, like, you, you look at the top half of this class, I think the only guy who's still on the team right now is Dylan Brooks, and that's still kind of iffy, you know? Mm. Like, uh, you know, who knows what he may end up He's do. swiping left and he's blocking. He don't want to yeah. see you again <laughs> by accident when he creates another account. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you guys. I think – even though my guy Jarquez, Jarquez is in this class, it's hard to look back at this in the hindsight. The only reason I didn't give it enough, by the way, yeah, is Jarquez. Yeah. Imagine, Jarquez. imagine Jarquez wasn't in this class. Oh, God. Yeah, it would, <laughs> I mean, it would absolutely a, be enough. Yeah. It would absolutely. And listen, man, that's no disrespect to you know some of the other kids. Oh, I'm being disrespectful. Uh, no. Of course you are. <laughs> Brady chose violence. Easy. Right, yeah, she chose his violence. But, I mean... We still, I'm still TBD on on Dylan Brooks. ESPN had him rated as the number 18 overall player in the country, right? So there was some people who thought very highly of him. I think he'll be kind of one of those guys who's going to compete at the Jack, but we're waiting to see if he's another highly rated kid that busts or can they figure out how to get something out of something that everybody wanted. Everybody wanted Dylan Brooks, guys. It might be possible with the staff now that's been put together. Right. You know, and then I'm looking at guys like Landon King, who we're going to see if he can finally get a chance to contribute here. Uh, you know, I, yeah, I just like I said, it, it's hard, but it's hard to look back on this class and say, uh, you know, Equiliota, one of my favorite players ever that's come through Auburn. I just wish he just never got hurt. He was so underrated. He was underrated out there. Um, I remember so, seeing him come out of that locker room and that that shoulder brace and shed a tear. Mm, well, I mean, Harson couldn't recruit. So running out the discussion, I just want to end asking you guys a simple question. How, Based on what we just evaluated, how do we feel Hugh Freeze is doing in comparison to his two predecessors, which was Gus Malzahn and Brian Harson? right? Like, do we feel like he's evaluating better? I know time will tell because, like Meme said, you don't really know what a recruiting class is until a couple of years down the road. But is the general feeling that this is headed the right direction and that they may be evaluating better in terms of how they're picking players and, rec- and going after players? I think that he's already doing a better job than Harson did. I don't know if you can compare him to Gus yet. And then if 
if and when that time does come, we have to kind of take Gus's entire tenure into account and not just his last couple of recruiting classes. So I definitely think he's done much better than Harson did. And I'm just very happy that the transfer portal era um, happened before this whole coaching fiasco, because if not, it would have been a lot longer of a rebuild. Mm, mm, memes like, yo, how's Freeze doing, man, in comparison to what we just recapped? Well, as of now, and as, as I kind of said at the beginning, you, the, the real test will typically take two to three years to tell. Now, I think the one thing that will express lane this to kind of recap this all is I think you're going to see a lot of guys from the 22 class, which was Parsons, I guess, truest class that didn't have any Gus intervention, play more. And as well as maybe even some guys like a Keldrick Falk out of Hughes' first class and on top of all the transfers he got solely because of how thin the 19 and excuse me, the, the 20 and the 21 classes were. It just gives more opportunities for the younger guys to get the field because they know not a whole lot of upperclassmen left, especially at a decent amount of positions. So it's going to probably answer those questions a little bit sooner. It's going to be interesting to see how the 22 class Harson's real true class, which didn't obviously have a lot of guys and you got to really take out Trey Donaldson because he didn't count for that. And now you lost, you lost him out of that one and probably see a few more guys are still in this team transfer uh, even before uh, this fall happens. But it'll be interesting to see how history will judge that class and we will tell in time. And then the 23 class versus the high school, which you still had some guys that Harson had, a few guys that um, Hugh Freeze had. And of course, it seems to be there's a lot of hype for these guys that were transfers in, a lot of which gives them immediate doors because of how many holes were left from these other classes. I'm really interested. I know this is going to be well ahead of time. The, the true, I'm not judging Harson for the 21 class. I mean, that was that was the bust on Gus. And Hugh gets a little bit more for on Gus. <laughs> yeah, he, Hugh gets a little That's bit gross. more for the 23 because he was able to get some more in there in the transfers. But where it's really going to be telling is what is Hugh Freeze going to do for the 2024 class that will pretty much be all him. And that's going to be the that's going to be the real tell of what is his what is his recruiting going to look like when he has ample amounts of time to him and his staff to actually build these communication bridges because recruiting takes years. It's not a it's not a hey, we got a six-week window, we're going to get all these guys. I mean, this is a long, ongoing thing with visits and communications to Auburn, to these high schools, and everywhere else. So him having the proper time to actually do that at Auburn is, I think, going to be really telling. They're getting guys that seem to be going in a good direction. But from a certain point, there was nowhere to go but up. And let's be real, Harson just didn't get the volume of guys. Maybe Harson got good quality. And maybe he evaluated pretty well, which, I mean, at certain times it seemed Harson give him his fair praise, had some decent evaluation. But uh, if you don't get enough guys in there and it actually can't field a full team with depth, it doesn't really do you any good. So we'll see what Hugh Freeze can do putting the whole big picture together, not only getting the guys up there in the ranking, but actually getting the guys on the field and developing and doing it how it was supposed to be done, something we haven't really seen since the beginning of the Malzahn years and really just – from getting the big time rankings and those big, big names up there. What we saw consistently going back all the way to the Chiswick years, just going to be real blunt. We know it. The people who follow it know it. Recruiting at Auburn has not been exciting for a long time. And I think a lot of people are hoping that will change because if that changes, what you see is a consistent basis on the field. Going back to the ultimate science of the blue chip ratio will soon to follow.
Well, I'll tell you what. Um, I feel like Hugh Freeze is definitely got this headed the right direction. Um, I think that, Brandy, the boosters are a lot more behind what's happening at the program right now. There seems to be some enthusiasm on that front. NIL is in a bit much better place than it was a couple of years ago when you know that all got kicked off and we were talking about how they're going to leverage that uh, with recruits. Uh, so it's not only helping in recruiting, but it's helping in retention of keeping players here at Auburn as well, too, which is part of the recruiting process, convincing guys who could go pro to come back and play for you another year. So um, we're going to come back and play for you another week here at the Auburn Express. Uh, girl, Brandy Mack, my guy, Auburn memes, joining me, talking a little recruiting. Guys, there's going to be some things happening in basketball, and we're hopefully going to be back to talk about it next week. But until then, we're signing off, and as always, we're eagle. We're eagle.